0: N E T S U I T E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? How's it going? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I imagine some of you are new to this show. After last week's uh, David Letterman interview, welcome, welcome to the show. This is the part where I talk a bit about myself and uh, I ask how you're doing. Sometimes it gets you caught up on my life. That can happen. Sometimes I tell you what's going on in my mind. Sometimes I get uh, aggravated about uh, the cultural and political situation in our country and world right now. Yeah. So that's what's up. I'm Mark. How are you? Uh, Thanks for coming by. I'm glad you liked that interview last week. A lot of people did. Uh, First off, John Turturro is on the show today. And I'd like to give you a little background on that because uh, I had one of the rare uh, you know, near meltdowns uh, during that interview. It was it was I almost lost my shit in front of uh, uh, an amazing actor. And I wasn't acting. I I, sweat broke. You know, things came unglued. I'll I'll tell you about it in a minute. But let's let's stay with what I'm what I'm dealing with right now. What's going on, which is a couple of things I need to address here. At the outset, is this the outset? It was a little misunderstood, but it was also on me in referring to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, which is my, the program that I got sober in. I kind of I don't think it was glibly, but I said it's the only thing, you know, it's, the only. I said to Dave in reference to his experience with his father that, you know, it's really the only option. And i and it's just old school thinking. I, you know, I know it's not the only option and I just want to. And some people push back on this. I got some emails and I think that, you know, it might be discouraging to people who are trying to get sober uh, if they think that's it, if they didn't have a, a good experience in those rooms or it's not for them or whatever. And I think they were right in telling me. That by saying it's the only option, it's, you know, it's not, doesn't help. It makes, it gets, it might make people hopeless. And here's what I, here's what I got to say on that. That's true. There are other options. You should investigate whatever option you want and whatever fucking works, fucking do it. Whatever you got to do to save your life from addiction, from alcoholism, for whatever compulsion that is destroying it, you know, do it. If it's if it's safe and it's not going to cause more trouble. I, I, I don't judge anybody. I, there's many people who've gotten sober with nothing uh, who have gotten, you know, just white knuckled it or whatever. However, you whatever your perception is of any process of recovery great for me it was just AA. Was, it's just easy you, 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 i go they're all over the place you show up on any given day there's usually many you know no one asks you any questions you walk in you sit down no fo- nothing what but that's it's old school stuff and sometimes that you know whatever that has to offer it may not be for you but i do want to make it clear that uh, there are other ways and uh and honestly whatever you have to fucking do you know, just to get through a day. I, I, there's no judgment here. And, uh, you know, I, I can only say what worked for me. But again, uh, there are other ways. And it, investigate whatever you need to investigate. Do whatever you got to do to get that day sober and hopefully a string of days. That's my statement on that. Thank you for the input, people, who were aggravated. The other thing, uh, less pressing is that uh, on the Letterman interview, I, I talked about my first appearance in my shiny suit. Turns out that was the second appearance. I, I went back and looked at him. Some kid had posted uh, some kid who I don't know who he is. Someone had put up four of the appearances. I believe there were five in total. There were four standups and one panel, but the shiny suit was definitely the second one. Cause I watched the first one and I'm like, Oh Yeah that horrible thing that 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 terrible moment in the black suit in the i was a little shake i remember that i'd gotten myself sick before because i was so nervous which i used to do a lot uh any anything anything that i had to do that was a big deal i would stress out to the point where i would make myself ill and uh, i remember i was getting a cold and i was like worried about my voice and i was backstage and biff was about to pull the curtain aside and i was like i don't feel well is there a kleenex and and, I, and, and that, was a, that was the first one. And uh, it was okay, but I had put it out of my mind. It's interesting how the mind works. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know how old you are or whether this is because of age, but um, I don't know how I got through almost anything back in the day. I really don't, my memories as they get further away, like there's some parts of my life where I'm like, I don't even know who that guy was. When I watch him, I'm like, oh, that's me. But it's like, I, I have to sort of engage in some sort of attempt at empathy for my younger self. Cause like I was like in constant anxiety and constant aggravation and anger and self-loathing and uh, just volatile and self-involved. I'm, okay. Yeah. Some of those things I still have, uh, they're just, they're tempered, but, but I really, I don't know, man. I, I, I I I know how I got here, but I'm amazed. I think that I'm here, and uh, I I can't really believe it's happening. And I try to engage in some gratitude, and uh, show up the best I can for for uh, for other people. That I try to I I try to live a, a good life. Um, and it's not easy when your brain is a fucking ball of snakes. Also. You know, I try to have a private life, and i I know that the relationship I have with many of you is visceral and it's um connected and it's emotional, which it is. and and I do share a lot of my life. But I do try to have a a private life. and uh, you know, I'm trying to. To separate, you know, there was a period, a long period of time where, you know, anything that went on in my life and in my mind, I would dump onto these mics without really taking into consideration, you know, what it would mean to me or what it would mean to other people that, you know, may be involved in my life. So, you know, I tried to, you know, maintain a private life. It's something I had to learn to do. And, and I hope you respect that. That being said, I, you know, I do, I, I, de- I think I, I should tell you that uh, Sarah and I uh, split up uh, a while ago and uh, I've been sort of going through that period and that process and that sadness and it's sort of having a, a you know and I, again I do want to have a private life and and it is my business but a lot of you are part of my narrative in the way that I allow you into my life and and I just I thought I would tell you that and it's been a it's been a difficult few months and it's made me it's gotten me into a state of like Really thinking about my life, my relationships, you know, throughout my life with everybody, and uh, it's it's some. I don't think it's a midlife thing, but it's something. Uh, There's just something about me trying to land in my life and decide how I want to live the rest of it. Uh, that's been sort of you know pressing on me, and because of that, I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of you know reflecting. I've been doing a few meetings, and I've been you know talking to people. And uh, you know, just really trying to keep my heart above water, and and uh, and try to uh, to sort of change some patterns in my life, you know, around uh, my ability to enjoy it. (laughs) Okay, all right, I'm okay, and you know, we move on. This is this is this is humans. This is humans. Humans do things. It's an amazing thing. These conversations that I have with people, and I don't. I, to be honest with you, I don't always know how they're going to be received. I know my experience of them, and I get very immersed in them. And while I'm doing it, I you know, sadly, maybe not sadly, maybe for I don't. Know. I'm not thinking about you guys. Uh, I'm I'm thinking. I'm I'm not thinking. I'm I'm in it. I'm having a conversation, and I'm following. How that goes, and you know, I'm just kind of rolling with the conversation. And th- that's the thing about when I do these things on the road, the John Turturro talk, which you're about to hear, he's uh, you know he's in a uh, a show, the name of the Rose. It's airing on Sundance, and you can watch episodes um, on their streaming service, Sundance now or at sundance but you know, but he you know he's a great actor. I love the guy. And, you know, sometimes people don't come out to L.A. and I, I, I take it to them. I, I have a rig that I work with. I bring it on the road to do intros. And sometimes when I'm in New York, I'll do interviews. And sometimes if they're on location, uh, Brendan, my producer, will meet me and we'll set up uh, a mini studio. But other times it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Let's just we can just hang out in the room in the hotel room. And it's fine. Uh, it's, it's a little odd, you, you know, cause I'm not staying at usually at giant suites or anything. So we're just sitting there in the hotel room, but you know, Turturro, John came over and we met in the lobby and you know, he's an excitable guy and, uh, he's an intense guy and he likes to talk. And it was just one of these, like these situations where, and you're not going to hear this most likely, but I do, I do want to share the experience with you <laughs> is that, um, You know, I was recording and, you know, I was getting obsessed with him, you know, moving the mic around because, you know, I, I take it for granted that people are used to to using a mic, holding a mic. And then I looked down at my recorder and I noticed that it was not recording. It had stopped recording and I didn't know how long it had stopped for. We'd been going for a while and it was just like that moment. And I don't experience too many moments like this in my life anymore where you're like, oh, my God. So, you know, it's like you could experience these moments all you want. It's something, you know, seemingly in my control, just did something. And now I have no control over what's happened and I don't know how much I've missed or what's going on. So in that moment, I started to spin and John's sitting there and I'm like, fuck. And then I got to take the card out and I got to stick the card in the in the computer to see what I have and pull that up. And then I got to you know figure out it was my fault. I had the fucking card filled up. And I unfortunately you know, had another card, but like I had to figure out, you know, w- what the gap was. And he's watching me through all this. And I'm like, oh, my God, this never happened. This never happened before. And it hasn't. I've lost an episode or two by accident uh, years ago, but this never happened. And I'm kind of freaking out. And I'm like, and there's that moment in life where you're like, ah, fuck it. You know what? Let's forget it. Just I, c- I can't do it. I can't just, you know, I'm sorry, just go home. I appreciate it and it's my fault and I'm an asshole and I fucked up and I don't know how we can do it again. I don't know if we're going to get through it or whatever. And it's an odd sort of situation to have a guest going like, it's okay, just take it easy. I'm like, no, man, it's like, I can't. And then I realized, dude, dude, you've been doing this, you know, you know, like a long time now. Just, you know, pull it together, you know, lock back in. Get started again. Don't, you know, you don't need to sit here in front of John Turturro and beat the shit out of yourself. And, uh, you know, that's what happened. I was like, OK, all right, we're good. Let's just start from this place and, uh, you know, kind of get back into it. And we did. But it was um, it hadn't happened in a long time. There's a couple of things that have happened in the last year that haven't happened in a long time. That one and the flop sweat at the comedy cellar. Flop sweat at the comedy show. You're never when things get get away from you, and you know there's. A, and I was talking about this with a friend of mine, where where you have those moments where, like, it, your body and your brain probably rightfully so is like, just get out of here, just just get walk away from it. You know when you, when you know something has gotten you, you know like you made a horrible mistake that fucks your job up. There's part of you that's just sort of like, I'm just gonna go. I'm, OK, I'm an asshole. I'm going to leave. OK, good luck with everything. Or when you're on stage and you're not you're not doing well, it's sort of like you, know, you feel that sweat on the back of your neck. There's definitely part of you that wants to just be like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and leave now. You don't like me. I'm, I'm out. OK, I'm never I'm never going to do this again. And, you know, as time goes on, you get older, you realize like, you know, ride it out, man. You just got to ride. But I'm like that with brushing my teeth where, where really uh, I've had to figure out. I think there were years in my life where I'm just sort of like I can't I'm not going to brush my teeth. I'm going to go to bed without brushing my teeth. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to get up at a reasonable hour. It, and I just had to train myself to just, just just do it. Just stay in it. Just do the thing. You know, don't because a lot of times you're just not doing things. So you have something to beat yourself up about. What's easier than brushing your fucking teeth when you go to bed? Now I'm compulsive about I'm like a floss freak. The point is like, you know, make yourself do things that you should be doing because you should and just make a habit of it. So you don't you can take that off the list out of reasons why you're an idiot. That's my self-help tip today. And also the uh, the Turturro thing worked out. But uh, yeah, it was like, you know, I, I freaked out a little, folks. I, I, I'll I be honest with you. I freaked out a little. So now I will share with you the conversation I had that uh, I freaked out in the middle of with, uh, with the amazing actor, John Turturro, who's a great guy, intense, smart, engaged man, and his show, The Name of the Rose... You can stream now on Sundance Now. It's on Sundance. Uh, You can also uh, see it at SundanceTV.com, and it's airing on Sundance. So this is me in a New York City hotel room you get your podcasts. Bro. You remember yeah, that place? I mean, the I used to Amato's go to, uh, Opera.
1: Friends of my parents performed there. What was
0: that place? Because so, I, you know, it was I've a re- little
1: opera house. Yeah, and a lot of really good singers came out of there, and yeah. then they went, you know, further on. And some people just, you know, they didn't get paid to do the operas, but there was something. Uh, kind of old world yeah intimate because yeah. this this neighborhoods uh, these neighborhoods around here had all these little ethnic theaters If right. you see the history of it like on grand street i don't know between where and the center no uh, uh, i guess east of center there was the grand street theater that was the broadway theater before there was any broadway and so like in the Was it Yiddish or was it? No, they they would do, uh, say, would do King Lear like in Yiddish. Yeah. Then they'd leave the set and then they would do it in Italian.
0: Really? Yeah. The same actors?
1: No. Different yeah, actors, okay. same set. Okay. So they had a lot of these. They had like Sicilian theaters, Neapolitan theaters, Yiddish theaters, German theaters, poopy theaters, puppet the, theaters.
0: The, the movie theaters up there were all the Yiddish theaters. That was theaters. Yiddish, the
1: Yiddish yeah. theater. The second avenue, that, that was the Yiddish theater over there, yeah. Uh, and like 11th Street, it's that's, the Intermedia. It was the Intermedia and now it's a the movie theater. Right, that sounds
0: like an amazing uh, movie idea to have the two troops doing Lear in Yiddish yeah. and in Italian. Yeah, well,
1: because everyone, that was their entertainment in their language. And And this was the Lower East Side. Yeah, I have a book because I used to have an office on in on Center Street, uh, and uh, of all these little tiny theaters that they had, and uh, now they're stores or apartment buildings and stuff. Right, are gone, or they're they're all gone. Yeah, but I mean, some of the buildings are still there, but they were transformed into tenement buildings, or uh, so I was interested, you know, in that, and uh, uh, you don't and i used to go to a lot of theater when it was cheap in like the 70s and like the ridiculous theater company and circle rep and you know where you could see things for a couple bucks and i would see all these great charles ludlum like he was a fantastic brilliant he used to like you know do everything in drag right you know would like armor Vep yeah and, and uh and, and the early lover, yeah, but it was just you'd walk into the theater and you'd start laughing like, right before the show, yeah. But it was a older Greenwich Village, affordable experience, yeah. You know, and if if you didn't like it, you only. Spent a couple bucks. And, yeah. And that
0: was and it. And that was you nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. And, 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 and even if you didn't like it, it was probably going to be kind of mind-blowing anyways.
1: Yeah. I I kind of think, you know, people have gotten priced out a little bit. Uh, in theater. You know, well, in theater especially. Yeah. Because there was the thing of seeing something live, seeing somebody, you know, in the yeah. cafe or something. Right. you'd say, and I, you know, had no money and I could afford to scrape up a couple bucks and yeah. see whatever I wanted wanted to see
0: so your fascination with this stuff comes from you know just growing up here
1: well I I love anything that has to do with the history of things yeah in the past I think it's I I was a substitute teacher before I went to grad school yeah uh, and uh, I taught American history not that I knew that much about it but uh, I think that you know people think they invented things yeah and there's all these instruments like the banjo you yeah. know, the banjo came you know from Africa you know then right, it was sure it was recreated yeah. here you right know? yeah uh, and there's all these instruments that are Mediterranean and Arabic there's and instruments they, I'm, I they, you know I don't they, even know what they are you don't know what they, and they've there's a whole tradition of that and sometimes I hear certain kinds of music I'm going like why do I why does this music like just pulsate you know yeah. within me and yeah I realize you know after I did all my DNA and everything like they have all these different things you know uh, strands of different cultures coursing through my bloodstream and when'd you do that yeah, yeah. i did it uh, a couple years ago and then dr henry lewis gates asked me to be on discovering your roots and and then i did that show so they really have an army of people i'm doing that it's i can not recommend it more than Highly, it wasn't what was left for the TV because we you're in there for three hours, and if there's three people, there's only 20 minutes of you. Yeah, but the experience of being with him and seeing everything you were surprised. I was, yeah, I was surprised, and then he gave me more stuff afterwards because I said, "Give me everything. I don't care. I don't care what it I, is."
0: They asked me to do it like four years ago, and now it's like finally happening.
1: It's, it's a, fa- it's a, fa- it's fascinating. What'd you find out? Well, I found out I was a lot of different things. Right. I found out that one I'm related. At the end of they show you who you're related to. Yeah. Me, and it's funny because I was on the show and interviewed. I think he must know this because he was on the show. I'm rel- I'm related to Brian Gumble. You were- <laughs> Yeah I am. We're like, you know cousins from a I don't know if it's on the black side or the white side but I am I'm related to him yeah. so he's like a cousin of mine you had no I idea mean, yeah, yeah. did you talk to him about it no I, I want to I want to like, you know we have to have like a cousin meal you know and his brother yeah but I mean I wasn't surprised yeah. of all these things uh, right. you know that I have because I'm half Sicilian so I could be I mean I could be you know arabic i can be norman i could be jewish i could be greek i could be spanish i can be french it's all those things and i'm i'm a i have a lot of uh iberian in me yeah middle eastern that's wild some some yeah some sub-saharan some northern african uh you know and there's a, a lot predominantly of italian whatever the hell that means you know, but when you uh, grew up
0: you were just italian
1: I knew that wasn't true because my mother was Sicilian yeah. and my father was from Puglia. And when they had arguments, uh, that's in the south too, but it's on the Adriatic. It was two; it's two different languages, first yeah. of all. And my mother had red hair, and was very fair, and uh, you know, and she was good with knives. So, <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, he, my father would say these things to her. Like you, you're a really, you're a dirty Sicilian. And he would say these, the yeah. rock, you know, he had a foul mouth. And, uh, sounds so like they got like, along great. They did. They had a very hot relationship. <laughs> I mean, no, sometimes they didn't get along, but sometimes, but, uh, yeah. if you're from Southern Italy, it's really the kingdom of the two Sicilies when Naples was the, uh, the, the capital, but, uh, Sicily is completely. I've worked there. It's it's like you're in Africa and you're in Europe. It's, right. It's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's its own language. Is they it beautiful? The, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's uh, I mean, it's, it's very mountainous, and it's yeah. it's, it's it's uh, th- th- there's there's people can be very reserved and then very warm. Yeah. Uh, but you'll see people with like blonde hair and cur- curly blonde hair and blue eyes. Like when my nose, and then you see people who look like you know, uh, one of the cast of Hamilton. You know what I mean? You're like, right. Well, yeah, it, and it's like this is all the Sicilian thing, and it you know you're you're very close to Tunisia. Yeah. I mean, you're there's a small waterway, you know. So, uh, uh, and the Arabs ruled there for a long time. When and, you
0: went there, did you feel connected?
1: Yes. Yeah, and in some ways, yes. In some ways. It was foreign, and I mean, I went there in the eight, 1980s for the Sicilian. Still. Yeah, and uh, but I, I learned to ride a horse there. So there was a lot of things that I, and then eventually I, I felt very comfortable just being in the mountains on a horse. I was a kid who never rode a horse my did, whole life. Forever.
0: Did you? Uh, uh, do you ride now? Do you find I
1: still can ride? Yeah, yeah. And do I'm going to ride it? on this. Yeah, I moved, I kept it up for a while. Yeah, but these were great horses. They were Spanish horses. Yeah. they were trained right my one of my horses his name was madruga yeah and that was a fantastic horse so but they were really brilliantly trained horses they and scare me man you're scared at first and then you have to make fun you know make friends friends with, friends with it and you have to feed it and wash it and eventually the horse will say okay oh, get your smell and uh you know and then you'll uh you're in you well i was in with my horse uh, Yeah. <laughs> My horse didn't want anyone around him after a while, so but it was terrifying for it. They're big animals. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah? And then you're like, you know, and uh, but it's beautiful, yeah, you know, and I, I got and, to experience things that I never did.
0: And you rode recently,
1: uh, I'm gonna ride tomorrow because I have to ride in this other thing I'm doing right now. Oh, uh, I'm doing uh, The Plot Against America by Philip Roth. Oh, my god, that's it's a, a great HBO. book,
0: yeah. They're making a whole a movie yeah, or a mini-series. series. No Six kidding. Six
1: parts. David Simon is, is the, David Simon turns. Really? Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So they're just going to play it real. They're going to do the whole thing. Well,
1: they're it. using a lot of footage of, of Lindbergh yeah. and uh, and certain people. That's very smart. Know, when did
0: that project start to happen? Uh, I guess there was a
1: few. He wasn't that interested in doing it when when Obama was president. Sure. He wrote it when Bush was president. Uh, uh, Routh, Philip, or yeah, Philip I know. I read.
0: That. I read yeah. it right when, yeah, when it came out. It came
1: out, and uh, and it's. Uh, I mean, the whole American firsters. I mean, he took a lot of things that are very truthful, and you know, obviously history is really revisionist because everyone thinks everyone wanted to be patriotic and fight in the war, but eighty percent of our country did not want to be involved in a second world war after World War One. Yeah, and the level of you know, the, there was a big Nazi party here, a level of anti-Semitism, you know, and, uh, you know, and the American firsters were really, uh, that was uh, Lindbergh's, you know, he was one of those people. Who and do a you lot play? of famous people were American firsters. Oh, Gore yeah. Vidal was an American firster.
0: Gore Vidal or yeah. his father?
1: His Gore Vidal. Really? It started at Yale, of course.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Where everyone, I mean, I went to Yale as a... As a uh, uh, especially, you know, as a drama student, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I was called, as a handicapped division. Uh, but uh, but a lot of things start at those Ivy League institutions of saying, you know, let's keep let's right. keep it pure. Yeah, it starts so at the so intellectual
0: level, and then it becomes let's keep real. It pure. Yeah,
1: you know, this is. I mean, the drama school used to be right next to Skull and Bones, so I had a few encounters with those people over the years. But
0: they were like a frat, though, really weren't. But they? you would never see them. Uh huh.
1: You, you could never see who was in Skull and Bones. Oh, C- it, was, it was like a CIA blacked out site. Yeah. You couldn't see it. They could throw things over the fence at you, but you would never see them.
0: But did, were you, did you feel like it was threatening or were it just a bunch of kids?
1: Well, it's weird if you were like a dishwasher late at night and then guys are throwing yeah. debris over the fence. Were you a dishwasher? I, yeah, I was a dishwasher with me and Charles Dutton. We were both dishwashers at the cabaret, and, and they were... And, and they, they bothered were, us one night, so we but we responded. Yeah, what did you do? <laughs> How
0: would you fight back the we, secret we society? Threw, we
1: threw things back over the fence at them. <laughs> I was thinking you, you know, you know. Uh, but it was odd, like someone wanted to throw debris on us. Yeah, I mean, obviously like it was a black guy and a, another dark skin Italian Jew. I could be a lot of things. Yeah, and, and you they, have and, been a lot of yeah. Things. And they they like they dumped all this stuff over the fence on us as if it was funny yeah it wasn't very funny no and uh you think it was- we didn't think it was very funny we were working you know putting out the garbage yeah and, uh, i remember that and that left a mark on it. i was like wow so this is yale
0: I yeah. so, this is the future of our th- country is- the world these are the world well, leaders
1: things things don't change i mean things change and but that's what i'm saying going back you understand yeah what when you read certain things you know if you read about 1924, they just wrote a big article about the immigration laws. Yeah, My father came here in 25, but his father had established residency, but they closed the doors to mass immigration, especially Italy, I think, had the most uh, immigrants for one country. There was a lot of Jewish immigrants, but they were in different countries. And uh, my father took him six years to get here because they they couldn't get in. You huh. know, uh, but, and that was in 1925. So he was born in 25, but he got here in 31. But but his father had established established a residency. So his father was here. He had been here a bunch of times. And
0: uh, what kind and of he, business?
1: He he was a naval officer, but then he went into you know he was like a builder. Your father, uh, my my grandfather, grandfather yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, but then they finally got here. But when you read what they wrote about you know Italians and Jews, I mean they were uh, you know uh, wow you just read their description of it about, you know, the interbreeding and the lowering of the, I mean, it was the junk science. Yeah, It was sure. called, uh, what's the word for eugenics? it? Eugenics? Eugenics. Yeah. It was the junk science. And they had all these guys, and, you know, that's some scientists who were behind it, yeah. too. Then it was eugenics.
0: Yeah, I can't, you know, it's like it's, every day, I can't, it's like getting harder and harder for me to function.
1: Yeah. Well, but I, I go back, the only reason I go back is I think, okay, this is what people thought and then you s- see people get accepted here and then forget that yeah. and you're thinking like you know you can't forget that you know because this you, is what america looks like this is what it oh, was yeah. this is that one of the books i really not to go off on the tangent but one of the books i really loved about was nancy eisenberg's book white trash uh huh. it's not the most maybe fun book but I, I she delineates certain things about the whole group of supposedly white people waste people yeah they were called waste people the people who came here they were just supposed to you know work the land and then die right they they were discardable and they Would were they come a, from you know from from england you know and uh you know places of whereabout but the, these people they're they eventually ones they became squatters and they were not landowners they had no money and they were lower than slaves so of course they had to have someone to look down upon too but she breaks it down about this and then this myth of whiteness that was kind of laid on you know yeah. i guess there's a book called when the irish became white i mean i wasn't considered white until the 1950s yeah you i don't mean, know about on the you census? no in a sense you, you were my father was other yeah he was he wasn't black right even though he looked, you know, he could have been black. But he, he was, you had to check other. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, he became white. Huh. <laughs> so I'm just, uh, it just, you I know, it fascinates me, the mixture that sure. we all are. And I think everyone, you know, they they cling to these myths of things that have nothing I, to do with who you God, that's Maybe what yeah, that's right
0: that's what this whole book's about. Yeah. A lot yeah. of it. Have you always had this thing this fascination with history?
1: No. I've learned a yeah. lot more after I got out of school because I worked there. Yeah. And people gave me
0: Where in Sicily.
1: I worked in uh, I, d- I did a Primo Levi film with Francesco Rosi, a great director, The, the Truce, his oh, second yeah, yeah. book. So for 5 years he introduced me to Primo Levi and all these things and I started reading Italian Jewish literature and Italian literature and uh, I was kind of shocked because a lot of it it's not s- except for a few writers are re- aren't really translated here huh probably because a lot of the Italians who came here weren't that educated and they weren't didn't have a big readership yeah you know what I mean yeah. I mean there's so many great, great Jewish writers, but you have a bigger readership, I think. Right. You know, people read. Do you and speak more. Italian? I, I've learned to but speak you can present read? tense Italian. I can't read a book, in right. it. so I need a, I can read an article, but I need a. I need a, trans, a really sure. good translation. But I've devoured voraciously all these Italian, I mean, all those Alina Ferrante books, I devoured all of them, you know, one, two, three, when they came out, because it's interesting, you know, for me, and I've discovered so many great writers. I just did this mini-series on Umberto Eco. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Now Name he's of the rose. Yeah, but he's yeah. from the Pimontese area. Uh, you know, but there are a lot of great uh, uh, Cesare Pavese, Natalia Ginsburg. Uh, you know, Calvino, Primo Levi. But Primo Levi, I have no I know every book he's ever written. Uh, I got. I got to read some. He's the, it's the greatest. He's, a, he's one of the i never given one of his books, people would say to me, oh my God, I never, because he's not, he doesn't, he writes as a, as a guy who was a chemist. Yeah. So he writes everything down in a way that you, even when his worst, his his famous book is, Sequesto a Uomo, If This Is a Man, not aptly retitled, uh, or maybe not brilliantly retitled, Survival in Auschwitz here, uh, but he writes it as I if, read
0: Survival in Auschwitz. Yeah, well,
1: that's Primo Levi. Oh, that that's, was great. That, yeah. that changed
0: my whole perception.
1: That's it because because he makes you imagine, like, well, what would what would I have done? It's not about exactly. And also, he
0: sort of re like he he I think he introduced the idea that uh, of transcending victimhood from within the camp. Right. That this idea we had uh, they obviously were victims, but there right. was. Things going on within the camp on different levels,
1: on all different levels. Yeah, yeah, he's a great book. All different levels. I don't know. If I forgot that he yeah, wrote that. Yeah, he Ch- wrote changed
0: that. my whole brain. That book. Yeah,
1: me, I mean, me too. I I think if you are a prejudiced person, I'm just saying, and you were able to read ten pages of that, I, it's a s- slim book. But yeah. So, pal, like a day, you come out of that, it actually confronts your, in a very, I don't understand how he does it. A subtle way because it's not about him yeah and you you feel implicated somehow or you could be implicated yeah, because he
0: humanizes everybody everybody and yes. and there's a, there's a whole spectrum of emotions and things that people had to do out of necessity that's right that were fundamentally human just to yeah. survive in an almost unsurvivable situation
1: But well, he explains it as a, an a laboratory yeah of human behavior right and he said that, that part of his life was really in color and everything else has been like, in, was in black and white wow. after that. But he's just, I, you know, once you have an experience with that, it opens something in your brain. Yeah. And it confronts you saying, okay, we all have some prejudices. We have weaknesses. We have fears. And that guy, at times when I'm upset about things, whatever, you know, 9-11, election, this, and I'll take, one of his essays out and I'll read it and Yeah. I'll say, okay, what is, what does Primo say about this? You know what I mean? And it's like, a, it's almost
0: like the Talmud or something, the Bible. Oh, yeah. For me, yeah. yeah.
1: For me, it's, it is and because he's not really religious and yeah, but he's a humanist. Right. You know, so, so
0: what, like with this brain that you have that keeps growing and, and your interests keep, what, what compelled you to act initially?
1: I, I guess I was in a family with a lot of, uh, performers my mother's brothers were musicians my mother sang with them and then didn't want to and She wanted to be a designer, but she had to quit school and my father's brothers were all very like larger than like you know people you would watch in the movies you would see well like someone like Edward G Robinson or Lee J Cobb for example yeah. or George C I would like say well that guy's like my father right you know he's just like my and my father loved movies and I mean I I never that's knew pretty anybody. powerful
0: father Lee J Cobb and were you gonna say George C Scott yeah yeah my
1: father was yeah he was right up that's a combination yeah that's oh, man. exactly even even looks like him you know like uh, and I just uh, in a ferocious temper and, and but you. You were around it, yeah. so it was like an acting class. Even my parents, they how they would go moment to moment, like not right. let anything pass. Yeah, like what is that? You know, no, you're <laughs> laughing. Ah, oh, you think that's funny, yeah, right? right. You dirty, <laughs> and, they, and you know, and you know, it was like when I went to acting class, I was thinking, well, yeah. I've already been in this, this. I mean, I have my parents. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so I mean, a lot of people. I'm. I think I'm one of probably many. I don't want to say millions, but when there was a show like The Honeymooners were yeah. on, that show had an honesty to it that you, if you were a little kid, and your parents had that kind of dynamic, and you were not well off, you know, my older brother Ralph used to call the show "Mommy and Daddy." Yeah, he said "Mommy and Daddy's on." <laughs> you know, and somehow, my father didn't really look like Jackie Gleason, yeah. but he had the same kind of, you know, slow burns. Right, but that show really there was something about it that had that honesty you know yeah. above it and the dreams of you know doing something more so those things affect you and i think affected a lot of i know comedians but also a lot of actors also a lot of actors and so there were things you know there are people that i love like edward g robinson you know i mean or james Cagney or betty davis i'm just like but you were like, already
0: like i mean those were, I, was a, I used to watch them right. with my parents on sure. like channel New York, or whatever.
1: Channel 11, Channel yeah, 5, Channel yeah. 9. So those movies I grew up with, Warner Brothers movies. Then discovered you know Brando and all, and then the movies came of the 70s. And sure. Stuff. So you know like I just showed my son Shampoo the other day. How do you take? How is he, son? Uh, my youngest son Diego is eighteen. He liked it. He liked it. It's a pretty
0: great movie. It's
1: a pretty great movie. And I, I was, I, t- I said that I, I saw that movie with my dad, <laughs> and he was so turned on to Julie Christie. <laughs> <laughs> he was, <laughs> I think, you know, you could smoke in the movie theaters. Yeah, so. yeah. But I remember I kept looking at him, thinking like smoke was coming out of his ears and stuff. You know. <laughs> uh, so those were yeah. the
0: inspirations. Well,
1: those things, and then, then you know, I started seeing theater, and I yeah. thought, well, maybe I could do this, and then I went to a college. So you
0: college. went to, where'd you go to undergrad? I went to SUNY New Paltz. And and that's where and you I, started acting? Yeah,
1: and I had a lot of great, great, great teachers there because it was close to New York. Yeah. And I had uh, a couple of teachers, Richard Bell and this guy Joe Paperon and this woman who went to Yale, Beverly Brum from Wisconsin. Yeah. And she uh, and they really kind of, I not say, civilized me or educated me because I was just so raw you know, and... But passionate. I was... You come from the shy. craziness. I was shy. Yeah? But once once you let me do it, yeah. I, you know, once I... Uh you know, only when I was comfortable. Right.
0: Well, I mean, do you find that like growing up in the volatile uh, house that you grew up in, that you, you you were always second banana or third banana? I was watching
1: it all. Right. I was studying it. But all. could you speak up? I mean, sometimes I did. Yeah. Sometimes I sp- spoke up for my mother. Right. You know, I mean, against my father. My oh yeah. It got out of hand. Yeah. So, but what, was
0: he boozy or? Uh, he wasn't boozy, but
1: he could be temper. He, he had his he had his rages. And, oh yeah. Uh, you know, and men in that generation yeah it's a different world yeah it was a much more you know women were you felt the oppression of a household uh-huh. you know what i mean especially in the culture that i was in yeah you know what i mean Yeah, it was you know I used what, to go my friend's American? house. i used to go my friend's house who were jewish and they were like i said well your mother is the your mother is, you know she, you know she's the one who's the force in here yeah in our house it was yeah. like Dad's home. Be yeah. you know. We've, you know <laughs> How many you know. kids were there? There were three of us. Yeah. Of boys. You have an older brother. I have an older brother, Ralph, and yeah. Nicholas
0: is my younger brother. I saw Nick somewhere yeah. recently yeah. at so, uh, the airport or something. Uh,
1: but we, but you know, every, everybody's everybody's house is not like normal. We yeah. when we grew up in TV reflection of family, except yeah. for the honeymoon, is was all yeah. like my three sons, right? Yeah. And so we all somehow got this thing of like, well, we want to be like American, normal people, and none of that existed, you know what I mean? I remember my father saying that to me. I said, why can't we be like those people on television? He was like, well, that's that's not real. It's not real. I said, yeah, but people don't go flying out of windows and you know what I mean, and all kinds of stuff. He goes, ah, that's, you know. I remember like a funny story. I was telling someone that we moved. Yeah, We lived in Hollis, Queens. Yeah. And there was basically mostly black neighborhood right. so my friends were all black how old were you uh but it, we moved i was around six yeah but those are those years are really formative years sure uh, uh and uh so you know it was a very close we had, we lived in garden apartments yeah, so yeah. We, everybody was outside we all played on the street it was you know everybody played with each other yeah was, you know the hula hoop chubby checker you know yeah, yeah, uh, sure. uh, the, the crystals uh, you know uh, and then when we moved we moved to rosedale and that was mostly a italian irish little jewish neighborhood and uh, i was dark and all the kids thought i was puerto rican and I, obviously that there weren't many puerto ricans in that neighborhood you know, yeah that, that was kind of a term like if you were puerto rican you got you got picked on by the Italians and the Irish, yeah, uh, because it was like the Irish were here, and the Italians, and that was someone else to pick on, and uh, keep moving down, yeah. And yeah. uh, you know, I was a lot of the kids would invite me over and then kind of beat me up and gang up on me. And I, I don't know, I was around seven years old or something, and my father was home watching Edward G. Robinson, who's, who's one of our favorite actors, yeah. in The Sea Wolf, right? By Wolf Larson, where he plays the terrible captain. Who's a sadistic guy? He throws Barry Fitzgerald to the sharks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Garfield is in it. Idle Pino, <laughs> yeah. and uh, anyway, I came in and I was seven years old. I was in tears. These kid, these kids had thrown water balloons at me and were hitting me and saying my mother was all kinds of things, and I didn't know exactly how to respond to them. And my father, I came in and my father told me to be shh, be quiet. He said he was watching the movie, and I said, "Dad, can I talk to you?" And and he said, "You know." I'm watching Edward G Robinson. And he was fighting the entire crew. Right. Anyway, I told my father, I said, listen, these guys are beating me up, both of them. And and, he's, and he said, well, how many are there? And he said, well, I said, there's two of them and they're older than me and yeah. they're beating me up and and they invited me over. And and then he said, you know, look look at Edward G Robinson. You know, he fights the entire crew. <laughs> Whatever he has. Yeah. I said, you know, bites and pulls hair, kicks, right. anything. So he said, well, he said, if there's more than one guy, then, then even it out. Get a stick. Yeah. And, uh, and I did. You got a stick. And I did, and I had a pretty brutal fight with with both of them. They were p- pretty tough kids. Yeah. And uh, one kid I bit really badly. I, on, on what? His, on Where'd you bite? On his arm. Yeah. He had to get butterflies, I remember. No kidding. He had to get they stitched him up? I really, another kid, I smacked him with this stick really head, and I just, I, I just... <laughs> pounded both i mean i i, I don't know because i was so emotional because they were they were like torturing me. yeah and uh you know and then of course the parents came yeah and my mother had to go out my right. father was still watching the movie right it didn't, it didn't bother yeah. him it didn't yeah. bother him at all but it was so strange moving to this neighborhood where i was supposed to be with people who were supposed to be like me and they're the ones who you know but they didn't fuck out. with you again no after that they they knew like did, but you know steer you know leave me alone but
0: it was that out of character
1: for you on some level i i wasn't like that kind of kid i was like i wasn't
0: a kid So did it, really hurt, a did it hurt your
1: heart yeah yeah and, and I, i've been in some fights you know over the years when i was a kid and i was always took a lot out of me emotionally were you, you able know, to they,
0: make an amends
1: uh not to them, I do. I wasn't because no. I saw how brutal they were. So they, they had a They were they were just brutal. They like were bad. They, they would were, they were try to rip your hair yeah. out of your head. And yeah. So I was like, all right, well, no, then if you're gonna, it's not. you're not giving me a fair chance. And right. But not only that, I was trying to make friends. Yeah. And they were like, no, just so sad, to, Yeah. You know, when your kid, you know, kids are very brutal, uh, harsh. They're really cruel. Yeah. They they know how to, you know. uh. <laughs> I was saying to someone the other day when I was a substitute teacher uh, at uh, two different schools, Rice High School and then this school, Our Lady Queen of Martyr. <laughs> I was fifth and sixth graders and there was a girl who was a great student. Yeah, Her name was Maria. And there was a boy who had problems. I won't say his name. And, uh, but he liked Maria. But this girl, was she, was she was in fifth grade. She was really ironic. She was great student and so graceful and last day of school he he liked her and he was emotional cuz you know i was he kind of got, had gotten to like me uh and he he reached out to her and he grabbed her pigtails like he yanked her on the ground like mm. pulling her hair mm-hmm. as if to say like you know i like you but like a caveman yeah and and, he, and she she was in pain and i i went and i had to break them up And she never let out a sound. She just looked at him like, you know, like she felt empathy for him. And I couldn't believe that she was, she had like tears in her eyes and stuff and she didn't like discharge on him at all. And it it was such a informative moment to see some kid who had problems and this girl who was so graceful and didn't make him even feel worse, even though he hurt her, you know? And, I just thought, wow, that's something I have to remember, you know. And because sometimes you do these scenes, and you go, like, it was such a psychological gesture, and her response was so exceptional.
0: Because she was empathetic.
1: She just—I'll never forget how she looked at him. I'll never forget it. I was—I—I I, I thought highly of her, but after that, I was like, wow, this person is really special.
0: So that's—it's—it's—it's like, it's, it's got me upset, or in a good way. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you had this like you had. It seems like a very full life to enter the the acting world in, and 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 at and when you went when you were at Newport, you did some stuff in high school. I did. did? So
1: I did stuff at uh, some plays in high school. Did like Pippin and stuff like that. And and you school. loved it. I, yeah, I really liked it. But the first play I did in in, in Newport was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I've have I had a little experience with being around people who were suffering from mental problems yeah. uh my own family down the block
0: yeah and uh who in your family
1: my my older brother ralph uh, uh he's still he's, around yeah he's i'm i'm his guardian and ah. uh we're we're close and yeah uh and he's a very talented guy and uh but he's had i guess diagnosed he's been diagnosed with everything basically right. you know, from schizophrenia to obsessive compulsive and he's been in and out of institutions and you know the mental health system is hard for anyone even someone like myself who has some money to navigate you'll know, try to help yeah. him, and uh, after my parents died it was quite quite hard but I you know I had to go to court and everything to be his becomes a guardian and uh, a lot of times the state becomes the guardian because the siblings just can't you know you get worn out yeah and, uh, it's not like these movies when there's someone overcomes it. Most right. of this is a lifelong, endless baseball season yeah. that never ends. And right. I never spoke about this until I did this speech, Catherine Burns, at the Moth. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm very happy I have, and I've been involved with this community access, which has helped my brother a lot. Uh, uh, they, they, they they supply housing and programs, and it's a great organization, and we're, we're trying to raise money to build more buildings now, and we're doing that. Uh, so it feels good. To How often him. do you see him? Uh, pretty often when yeah. I'm in town, yeah. Pretty often, I take him out, you know, and we walk around. And, and, and he's Make sure he showers and stuff yeah. <laughs> like that. Uh, but uh, he's, uh, you know, it, 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 I've I've come a long way. Yeah. He's, I, he's in a more peaceful part of yeah. his life, which yeah. I'm very, very, happy before. about oh really <laughs> i've been through you know the police and, yeah oh really yeah i've been oh yeah the whole the whole oh my god i mean people don't realize the families you know who well, if you have a family member what you go through yeah. as a family but it scars you
0: and when this is a whole your whole life
1: my since i'm 12 years old,
0: different phases of it all different phases of it yeah oh, it's I mean, so hard
1: yeah, it's such a hard and that's why people run for the hills and so maybe it made me more empathetic, or, yeah. or whatever, you know. Uh, Must been
0: a, it, 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 like to see that much raw emotion and, and that type of of human behavior. It's got to be uh, somewhat uh, like a powerful study of something.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we learn these the, the dynamics whether you're an actor, a comedian, yeah. writer, you know, within your between your parents, yeah. and your siblings. And my parents, I saw that they were, yeah, you know, my father was like a very expressive, unconscious, like childlike man in some ways. But he could be scary. And my mother was very quick. And but
0: he seemed to have it pretty well integrated. I mean, you're not, I, you're not saying he was uh, abusive or anything well, like that. He, he had his
1: moments. He right. had his moments. But, but he forgiving. wasn't consistent. I was yeah. forgiving of that. I mean, you know, you have to kind of make a list or do a mathematical equation how much of it is it, right? You know, is it fifty fifty? Is it seventy five? You know, he was in World War Two. Suffered post, you know, suffered from his nerves. Yeah, post traumatic stress. He was in D Day, all that stuff. But, you know, I in my parents and in their interplay. Yeah, I saw the you know it was like going to a Sandy Meisner repeat exercise class. You know, they they didn't let anything pass. You know, <laughs> they right. were like you know, and my mother knew how to to try to defuse things and you know, she was just very, uh, you know, she was a, a, a period, she had a hard life but she had a really optimistic spirit and I think that that really affected me. Full balance. And yeah, because I really felt like she was so talented of a person and I feel like, I wish I was as talented she was, but i whatever i opportunity I have, I really feel like my mother could have done so many things, but because she didn't get certain opportunities or whatever and i uh, it, it left we were very very. we had a very close friendship oh, very close friendship and nice. I, I was really uh, uh it took me when she passed away it was, it was a huge I had to really kind of recalibrate my... uh, How old were you? I was 2000, I don't know. Maybe I was late 40s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, but we were just, you know, we had a, you know, she went through a lot of things, Yeah. but, uh, you know, she was a really fun person, Yeah. Uh, like a person who, uh, I'm glad I was able to get to share things with her, and, uh, you know, you are...
0: And she got to see some of your success? Yeah.
1: Yeah and she was you know she was and she would be honest with me too sometimes we <laughs> would say like oh wow yeah, had no chemistry like that. that was a fake kiss I saw that when you kissed that kiss. and if I had chemistry with someone she would say oh you know don't let your wife see that you know what I mean she knew right away yeah I was like how do you know these things she goes I know you <laughs> you know she was like yeah yeah. yeah yeah one time I said I mean I used it in a movie that I did Romance and Cigarettes like I was like well you know it's hard to be married and you look around you know and it's like you know you go through these like ups and downs and my mother was in the car with me she goes so all right, so you, so you're gonna go? You, you want to go do something else? She goes, yeah. Well, what do you think you're gonna find there? She it's, it's not like a, you know, machine where you put in like you get M and M's and chips. He said, it's the peanuts are gonna come out. She said, it's the same <laughs> peanut bag that comes out. <laughs> I was dying. I said, I can't believe you said that. I said, so you know. I said, yeah, but there's different color hair. Right. You know. She was like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Said, you're not gonna find anything new. What do you think you're gonna find? Something new? You know and it's, she was just like she, she spoke saved, from experience
0: she saved your marriage yeah yeah so i was like
1: you know, um, yeah, you know so
0: uh that's but, a good yeah. lesson to learn
1: yeah i was like wow
0: so the in the in the training like with a uh, in, in undergrad yale? well i mean like what you had good teachers i
1: had great teachers i had beverly brum joe Paparone. i had richard bell and uh beverly brum was was very helpful she went to yale and uh and you know, I was really really close with her and it, you know it's funny you, you people when they talk about all these different i was thinking about it cuz her oh, yeah. pulse was so relaxed i mean people used to go skinny dipping and then you you know you'd meet people and you'd be naked you know <laughs> so you know it was, but beverly was from the midwest she was gay yeah uh and she and here i was this kind of big you know muscular kind of italian guy and yeah. She really educated me, and uh, I would do anything for her. She just, and you know, she gave me parts that were hard for me and uh, helped me in my writing, helped me what to read. What was the biggest challenge? I loved her so much, and she always came to all my plays up until she passed.
0: What was the biggest challenge for you initially? I I think
1: uh, being confident, not feeling that I was sophisticated, not being well read enough. Right. Or I just felt I was like sensitive yeah, and I could feel when I was not up to snuff or being, you know, well, I would get nervous and yeah. stuff and not want to embarrass myself right. and then, but once I got in there, then I didn't feel the same. I've always been better with one-on-one with teachers, not in a classroom, yeah, unless they gave me a text or something and then, and then I studied after college with a man, Robert Modica, uh, who was worked with Sandy Meisner. And he, he he made a huge impression on me. So when I went back to Yale, I was pretty well trained. I was better trained than most of the people in that class, I would say.
0: And you did a lot of theater here with the Westbeth yeah, and everything else. Yeah, I a lot else. of
1: theater. But I had good training. So then I could take you know, uh, the vocal things and the movement things there. And, and I got to work a lot at Yale with a lot of very talented people
0: and who was in your class again
1: i said charles dutton yeah. angela bassett sabrina sabrina Leboeuf, and, uh,
0: and that's where you met francis too
1: francis was uh, a year ahead of me and that's how i met joel and joel would see me in plays and had
0: they made movies yet
1: well when she did blood simple i went to see that and that's how i met joel and ethan and uh and then I had done this play at the Eugene O'Neill Center right yeah. after Yale that Lloyd Richards who was the dean of the drama school was the head of that and I met John Patrick Shanley and I did Danny and the Deep Blue Sea and did a bunch of things with John including Five Corners which a lot of people saw me in yeah. this kind of explosive King Kong kind of character and <laughs> yeah I, uh, and uh, that's what Spike saw me you know he was like man I saw you Throw your mother out the window, you know. Like I said, listen. Shanley wrote that. I said I just did it. So, uh, but Joel and Ethan knew my work through that and also through theater. And but
0: and, Spike and those guys, they—I mean, you've, you're you the, you're their guy in a, in a lot of movies.
1: Well, I've been in, you know, a lot of Spike. I consider movies. them a lot of Spike movies. I've worked with Joel and Ethan four times, and but in the theater with Ethan, and they they executive produced Romance and Cigarettes. Oh, okay. With James Gandolfini and Kate oh, Winslet. Oh, God, and,
0: it's so sad. He's gone.
1: I know. I was saying to someone the other day, Steve Zelligan, I said, you know, James James is one of those people that I still can't get my head around. Yeah. That he's not here. Yeah. He just had this, I don't know.
0: Did you know him a long time?
1: I knew him, I because I know him through Aida. I, when they, uh, She's uh, your my cousin. And yeah. they did Streetcar Named Desire uh, when Alec Baldwin was Stanley. And then, this, you know, from The Sopranos and stuff.
0: I got to be honest, like, uh, Barton Fink is one of my favorite movies ever. I think it's one of the best movies ever.
1: Well, it's a good movie. so I, I can say that now. <laughs> you can say that now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that? it took me a while to, you know, understand, like, what everyone really liked about it. Really? But, yeah. I mean, I I love doing it. I love doing it. I mean, as it. a guy... I, I love work... I've, I've never not had a good experience working with... But as movies.
0: a guy who loved those movies, yeah. when you were a kid, I mean, there must have been some connection.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, sh- oh, yeah. That was... I mean, I love the script and everything. Yeah. Like, you know, when you... You're not used to seeing yourself in those things, so, right? You know, yeah. It's uh, but I, I I remember lines like from the other characters, right? Like you know Ben Geisler, you know yeah. you, you fucked him, Fink. He had a heart <laughs> as big as all of the out. He had a heart as big as the all outdoors, and you fucked him, Fink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why did it was a was it, why film. did it take you a long time? Because to... you're just weird seeing yourself in in these things or whatever. you like it just. I recently saw some of it. I was like, well, this is really. I mean, I knew it was br- brilliantly made and designed. And
0: what's it like working with them in terms of like what's the relationship like? What do they you? We did? have a
1: great relationship. We have always had a good relationship because a lot of
0: these characters are they're all different and yeah. it, you know and, and I mean and they Spike wrote Barton
1: Fink for me and they wrote Miller's Crossing for me. Okay, they, and they wrote
0: Vigal well that scene where you about the where you get killed in Miller's Crossing yeah. right in the woods right. So they
1: wrote those things with me, but I you know when they do that then I try to do a lot more work and surprise them a little bit because. You know, they're doing something for you. And uh, they're just great guys. To they're work very with.
0: meticulous, right?
1: Really meticulous. Yeah. Really. I remember when I did Miller's Crossing, I showed him a picture of Leopold and Loeb. I think it was Loeb. And I said, that's how I want to look, just like that guy. And they were like, all right. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you wanna you know, and, uh, you know, and I, What about
0: the character yeah. in Oh Brother? That was like that guy was well, that volatile was just, <laughs> Yeah, that was
1: just uh, you know, based on Curly. You know? I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. where I pulled that. Out. I mean I worked on the accents I don't know where I but they you know, they give you a lot. They say, well, could you shave your head? What about your teeth? Can we get really bad teeth made? Yeah, and once I put the teeth in my mouth they had the accent and then I realized like I'm just gonna be and, you know, he's like a guy who's always suspicious. He's the suspicious guy. Right, Tim right. was the innocent guy. Right. And George is the, the brains of the operation, so to speak. You right. Know? So it was like a three-headed monster. And uh, but uh, oh, you were yeah, thinking, actually, yeah. were thinking about the Stooges. Yeah, it was. You know, it was like this way back. You know, like I would do these like outrageous things just to make Ethan like. You know, yeah, because they like that kind of stuff too. You yeah, know? they like uh, broad, like not like,
0: broad, but like big, big characters. Yeah, but you gotta yeah.
1: kind of get. And that that's a little more stylized but still you gotta get you know into the spirit of each individual thing it's different each one of their movies well, yeah, is I, a little different and
0: Lebowski was crazy yeah, that guy so, that's a crazy know, character you know I but mean, that's the character
1: I kind of had they saw me do something like that on stage oh they did yeah and uh, they, they, they were fascinated by that so I thought it was gonna be a much bigger character originally when you know and then when I did it I was like well I better make something out of it so yeah. uh but listen, that's I. I don't know. I didn't get that movie when it first came out. But I have to say, like, the it took me a while to really I, understand the humor.
0: Yeah, I'm still trying to get it. Yeah, because people love it. It's like got a cult following, because and I, I think, keep watching it, and I keep going like, Well, how come I can't?
1: Be, I think I, it's I, like you want to, You have to want to be a child. Like kids like it because if you never want to grow up, right? If you want to stay in your pajamas, right? Jeff is the. Yeah the guy like he was like yeah. you know well, it's, like, a,
0: it's a whole it's a whole generation uh, he represents
1: he represents the underachiever right you know the yeah. classic underachiever right I mean, they when they wrote it they said, "Well, it's like a Cheech and Chong film they were telling me you know yeah. and I was like <laughs> but Jeff I think is just great in it and he's just like a, I always you know got him but now I I get the movie a lot
0: and what about like um More. the yeah. uh like, what's the relationship with Spike? How's that different? My relationship
1: is very, very good with Spike. I mean, we, How's he we grew up very, not that dissimilar. He grew up in an Italian neighborhood. I grew up in a black neighborhood, you know. Uh, I I got busted out to an all-black school, you know. he was So, by well, the time we met, it was weird. It was almost as if we were like... You knew I other? I I have my own relationship with him, and I've played the, the racist guy, the anti-racist guy, the cop, uh, you know. I've been accused of all kinds of things but we didn't know better. So I've I've seen, you know, the the white establishment response to Spike from the beginning. And yeah. I know him as a friend. Yeah. And I know what kind of person he is. Yeah. He knew knew my mom. He knew my oh, yeah. my brother and, and so you know, he had a big he's feisty, but he had a big knapsack on his back. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. a lot of people knew that, the what the kind of he was trying to say i can make a black film and people will go see it yeah and it was at that time you know it was after the black exploitation type yeah. of films and you know he he opened up a big door and he opened up a lot of opportunities for a lot of people but uh he's someone i I'm, i consider a close friend yeah you know and i'm going to maybe do another movie hopefully and he would be like the executive producer on it because i want to I've been working on a movie about basically uh, something I want to make, but it's about like ignorance. Uh-huh. Yeah. A, a, and openness. Uh-huh. Like both, you know. Because I think sometimes you see these movies and it's like t- too clear between the good and the bad. Right. There's, there's not this gray area. The yeah. Complexity of a yeah. guy. Well, how can a guy in the same family vote for this person or be a complete anti-whatever he is? Right. You know, and the other person is not that way at all. Yeah, and you come from the same parents, yeah. and I think therein lies the debate. Yeah, and not you, this, not this hardening. Divided, right, it's, right. There's nothing that's going to happen that way. Yeah. Only it's going to be people screaming at How each other. How
0: you want? Is it a family thing you got in it's, mind? But
1: it's if you get you have to do it through. Yeah, it's yeah. through a family. Right. The all the most horrible deed, Arthur Miller, because he you know, love the Greeks, the tragic deed. Yeah. You know, the most ridiculous deed is done within the family. Right. Always. Yeah. That is, you know, that's, that's the, that's the world. That's your world. Right. View, you yeah. know, when you come out of it. And so, it's something I, I've, I've, you know, hopefully I'll get a chance to make. And Are you writing it? Yeah, it's all done. It's all done and I hope to do it. Oh, uh, that's so, Yeah. so that's, but I think this, this blindness that we see right now. I yeah, th- I think a lot of what's going on in the world has to do with our culture. I really do. With America. Yeah, I think it has to do with our.
0: Culture. Oh yeah, that's what that book's about. Fantasy You got it's it's our culture. Yeah, and it, and now it's it, it's so weird because you know when you, you deal with the political climate we live in in this particular president, there's something you know sadly, painfully honest about that guy being the president.
1: Yeah yeah it's shockingly i mean
0: he represents know, all the worst of us
1: yeah i mean he <laughs> listen he reality television ha- helped him hone his persona yeah which he always had did you know him you no know, my father worked for his father oh really yeah and uh you know i didn't know him that well he Didn't. He doing didn't construction yeah because my father was a builder yeah yeah my brother worked for Trump as a doorman. Which one, Nick? As Nick, as St. Moritz. Yeah. So he has his own, you know. Uh, but, you know, he, his father basically enabled him. Yeah. You know, he's enabled him. But I think when being on TV all those years, people's idea of him, not in New York City. Yeah. Because I don't think he could even win borough president right i don't know maybe he could win in stand on but he wouldn't win it in queens yeah and he wouldn't win it in brooklyn he wouldn't win it in the bronx and he wouldn't win it in manhattan yeah you know so that says a lot and he's from this is his hometown uh but people bought it yeah for 12 years don't forget it was over 10 years he was the mastermind yeah so that just goes to show you now of course the guy who created that show is not from our country. He's English, yeah. the guy who created that show. Yeah. So maybe the Revolutionary War is still, I don't know. Yeah. But I was thinking like, wow, not an American didn't do that. But I,
0: it, Yeah, and I Murdoch's it's, not American either. No, either. either. Yeah. I know that.
1: I know that. And I I don't think, I think there's something in that also. Sure. I, I, I do. You see, because we, I watched a lot of those uh, Republican debates with my son because we thought they were entertaining. Yeah. But uh, he... He's, you know, he's a real, he's a bully. He's always been a bully. Yeah, and that's what he is. He's a bully. Yeah, that's why some people like, you know, I look at him. I say like, wow. I just, I can only think of like mud wrestling as an answer to everything. (laughs) Like, you know, but like, but samurai mud wrestling. It's (laughs) like that's, but that's what happens when someone's been enabled. Sure. To a certain point, but what what fe- what i fear about is like everything is anti like it's anti knowledge yeah. an- anti nuance yeah. it's, you know, it's anti science anti rationality anti- i mean the the, Reason. The, the the thing i the book i just made uh, yeah. the the name of the rose yeah. that's what the book is about yeah. it's about you know the guy is a man of, uh, of faith but a man of science the guy's a philosopher but he's a man of action the guy understands the value of women even though he's with all these men all these monks who fear and demonize women and He understands more than anything that the only power against absolutism. This is in 1327 and Roberto echo is a pretty smart guy is Knowledge that's the only thing you have so if you burn those books Or if you suppress those books and really it was the Arabs who saved all this Greek literature They translated it into Arabic and then was retranslated back into the Latin uh, that that's the only thing you have against the they, they call it the antichrist but you know against of any form of right absolute and, but, power and now
0: they don't have to burn the books you just offer a lot of alternative information right. that seems to make sense
1: that seems to make sense so i think that is the big issue mm. that if you're against you know the power of knowledge i mean why do people when you go to a, a doctor you want the doctor have to have gone to medical school yeah so why would i ever listen to a politician when it comes to you know the atmosphere yeah no i'm going to listen to the science scientists scientist, sure you know what i mean so yeah. i mean they're the biggest actors imaginable i mean when i look at politicians i go wow have
0: you wow. ever played one
1: I, well i'm playing kind of a politician now in this in the plot against the big, america yeah he's the the rabbi who's the, the you know he's the, he collaborates with uh, with uh, Lindbergh, so yeah. he's like a politician, right? You know? But like a lot of people, they believed you know America should be isolationist. But I, when I watch politicians, you know, I, I think about what is the believability yeah. factor. Like I can tell you anything; I could do all these things. Yeah, but could I? Can I do any of those things? Right. I mean, and you see how hard it is, even with the brightest people when they reach out and the other people say, well, no, we just, we're not doing anything. I mean, look what happened with Obama. It's like, as soon as he reached out, they were like, no, we, you're not getting anything.
0: It's just, a, it's it's sort of amazing to see how de- desperately people want to believe and how easily they do believe if it matches up with their particular emotions. Well, this and they is, just allow themselves as They allow
1: themselves to just be tenderized, I yeah, think. Yeah. Like you're tender, and then you're gonna be put right on the flame.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You're gonna be put, on. you're gonna be cooked. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna, and and he's gonna eat you mm-hmm. I just hope that it doesn't turn out that people start attacking each other the people who are almost on the same side yeah you know I, yeah. I fear for that to say you gotta get united for the overall the, the best possible outcome and good yeah you know? and and that's uh, like a,
0: like a, like when you do like it sounds like these are like even that the the night of was a fairly provocative. Well, I try
1: to do stories when I can that have that has humanity and has complexity yeah. because all these issues are complex. Yeah. There's no You know black and white and good and to, evil. No, it's it's so simplistic and I think once again our culture loves to You know they, they always say well the character has to change. You know, nobody changes Nobody changes they can grow they can enlarge right but your basic nature is is kind of set yeah, you can make you know, different choices. That's right. Yeah. You know, and I I feel like sometimes pop culture could help that in a way by just getting people to reflect a little bit here and there. I mean you can do your little thing, you know. Yeah. I mean I don't like when people tell me who to vote for and stuff. I I I, I, I try to study, you know, and read about people yeah. and say who actually could get something done. Right. You know? And, yeah, uh, and maybe
0: they will. Maybe they, won't. maybe they will not maybe they
1: will so it's uh what's
0: it like being a father of like kids well, i have two
1: you know two boys one's 28 and one's 18 and uh yeah i you know like to leave the world a better place now they turn it out they're all right yeah one one of my my older boy works for dc comics and my younger son is going go to go to to college next year
0: oh yeah so, what's yeah. he interested in
1: he's really good in math he's really oh, yeah. good in history he doesn't know yet you know my other son's the artist, and uh, so he doesn't know. But he's uh, he's a smart guy.
0: When you do all these characters, I mean, does it, like, uh, obviously they're coming from you, but you're such a thoughtful guy. That, uh, I mean, how, how how much of an impact has, you, you know, getting into the heads of these characters, like, evolved you?
1: Well, you make a list sometimes, what, yeah. what you have in common, what you mm-hmm. don't have in common, you know, and...
0: Oh, is that something you do to prepare? I sometimes, sometimes I do that.
1: Yeah. yeah, sometimes I do. I say, well, this is what I need to work on. Oh, this interesting, is something yeah. I you know, these things I understand, this I don't uh and once in a while you just connect with everybody. Like if you're the director, like with on the night of yeah. with Richard Price and Steve Zalian, we had no question about the sensibility of it and yeah. the, the world of it. And I interviewed so many lawyers and some really successful lawyers. And one just guy, as research? Research. One guy, yeah. Kenny Montgomery, he looks like a dearest Elba. He's yeah, he's a star. Uh, a defense attorney was a prosecutor he helped delineate what he goes through in a trial for me and I saw him interview people and uh, so little by little you Frankenstein it some, and then sometimes something occurs and you're like wow the great thing about that character he's like an everyman because he's a guy with all the potential in the world but he doesn't have like the stomach uh, to be successful and that's a lot of very talented people. They don't what do have the that stomach. Is?
0: In that sense, they don't have the stomach.
1: Some people just can't maybe hold someone's life in their hands or they can't take the punishment of rejection. Right. You know, it's a sensitivity. And, yeah. and Fear. I mean, in my business, Fear. you have to be really sensitive when you work. And yeah. at the same time, you, you have to have a thick skin. Yeah. Those people are going to say, you know, no, nah, I don't like you. Yeah. I don't like this. I don't like, and they're like, and it's, it is kind of personal. Yeah. It's you. You know. You're like, well, they, they said I'm. You know. I mean, I've had critics write about my face over the years. I mean, not lately, but when I was yeah. younger, I was yeah. like, God, really? And I was like, it I fits. have a lot of girlfriends. I said, you know, girls like me, but these guys are writing about me. Like, then I realized that's like, you know, that's that's their freaking problem. It is you know? their, I mean, problem. It's their problem. Yeah. It's not my problem. Have you ever uh, had problems with directors? I mean, listen, there are a lot of directors I would work with any time, yeah. and I only got to work with maybe once. And, but yeah, sure, I've had problems with, you know. Now I know how to, you know. I mean, I worked with Michael Cimino and Billy Freakin when I was a young actor, so uh, I was... A big, uh, I've been with be Freakin.
0: I know him. Yeah, he's yeah. something.
1: He's, he's, he's pretty wild. So those movies were a different kind of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of cocaine-driven yeah. general type of idea. You know, I'm, I have an army, and... Uh, I was you know, shocked doing those movies. I was like, wow. people!" That cheap. was
0: To Live and Die in L.A.? And to what Live and Die in L.A. was The Sicilian. Oh, The Sicilian. So I learned,
1: i much rather work with, with people who are passionate but who are gentle.
0: How's Redford?
1: Loved working with him. Loved working with him. I We, 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 were, we were in love with each other. Yeah. <laughs> I loved working with him. I mean, he was great. He was great. I, I was on that movie, f- I was the only actor for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and so I had spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. So now I've, Never got to work with him again, but I—he I, was really, we were really, got along really well.
0: And you I, do like, and you do like smaller movies too, like with people. I saw that movie Landline. I thought it was great. Yeah, I like you know, that movie. Yeah,
1: I mean, you want to give different people. I work with young filmmakers, you know, and, and you, you never know. You know, you. And never do you know. like directing? I do. When I'm with, if I have a, enough time. Yeah. You know, uh, and when I'm with great, you know, but some of the movies I've made, I'm very, very much. Uh, they're really dear to me you yeah. know what i mean and uh, I'm, I'm you know uh, i'm proud of the films i made
0: Well, i hope you get to make this new one yeah thank you thanks I, for talking to me
1: okay thanks for having me <laughs>
0: So well, That worked out okay. Uh, that was me and John Torturo. Uh, the Name of the Rose is currently airing on Sundance, and you can watch episodes on their streaming service, Sundance Now, or at SundanceTV.com. I will play a little guitar for you. Oh, to answer a question for people asking, the tone that I'm getting out of this thing is really just the amp. It's a, it's an old, I think it's a 57 or 58 Thunder Deluxe with one big uh, 10-inch speaker in there. I'm using an Plex pedal and a Les Paul Deluxe, a gold top with P90s. So you know, you crank that amp and it breaks up pretty nicely. There's no tone pedal involved here, just the uh, the Echo Plex. I'm talking like you know, like I'm a professional guitar player. I, I, I it's the only pedal that I don't really know how to use a lot of them. Anyways, it it enjoy this meditation.